All right, guys, welcome to the Tunnel Club, a Canadian men's national team reaction show uh, to Belgium's 1-0 win over the Canadian men's national team. Um, I'm your host, Mike Newell. Um, hopefully, my co-host, Sean Levy, is going to be able to join us. I know he's having some technical issues, but I'll get started. And I'm going to keep the show relatively short tonight. Um, I think there's a lot of pieces and think pieces out there on what tonight or what this this afternoon signified for Canadian soccer and the overall sort of vibe of what this tournament and what this national team sort of means in the overall sporting landscape in this country. And, and I'll sort of get to that. But really quickly, you know, going back on the beats of the game, Mitchie Batchewai gets uh, the game winner just before halftime in a game that Canada, for the most part, dominates um, in terms of in terms of quality possession, in terms of being able to create chances. Canada's press in the midfield is impressive, and its ability to win the ball back quickly was impressive. Part of that is, yes, Belgium were not very good today, and, and I think that's something that you know we'll, we'll continue to reflect on, but you also just have to give nothing but credit to this team who came out and played the way they said they were going to play, which was fearless, which was aggressive, pushing the tempo and trying to in a large part impose themselves on the game instead of having the game imposed on them by their opponents. And that, I think that more than anything uh, it really leaves a a notable mark on on people. I'm just looking at a graph right now that looks at attacking pressure. Um, and Canada is just completely dominant in, in this facet. And you're talking about, you know, you're talking about playing one of the elite teams in world football. I know, you know, you could take whatever you get out of the FIFA rankings, whether you believe in them or not, or see any value in them or not. But you are talking about one of the elite teams in the world. And Canada absolutely dominated them and imposed their will on the game, which beyond anything, now that I've had a few hours to digest this match, and I, and I know you... You that are listening, you know, watch this game and are digesting this as well. It's, it, it's, it, I mean, it's quite incredible it, that that's the that's the word that you that that can only come to mind is it's incredible that Canada came out in that match and showed absolutely no fear of this team, and really by the time you're getting into, you know, but even before the penalty. You're, you're realizing that there's there you, you we're kind of we're, we're still thinking of Canada in the old Canada way, and it's hard to shake if you've watched this program for as long as I have, as long as a lot of you have, to shake the notion that our team would go out there against a European power in this game, and 
and be on the front foot almost the entire game. And, and not even that, of course, you force a penalty. Alfonso Davies misses it. Again, there will be a lot more educated, sort of nuanced people who will have takes on who should be taking penalties, things like that. But the fact that Canada were even in a, a position to have such sustained pressure that they're winning penalties and probably should have won at least one more, if not two, is a testament to the game planning from the coaching staff, John Herdman's staff. You know, it's one thing that we've heard over and over again about John Herdman and his approach to the game is that the, the his teams will go in prepared to the hilt in terms of knowing what they're going to do, knowing what their opponent is going to do and how they're going to impose themselves onto the match. And that is, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a masterstroke in coaching. It is a testament to the fact that the players, the players step up to a level both individually and collectively as a team in terms of their team defending, their team pressing. You know, it, it's funny. This is the, the Tunnel Club is usually a reaction show for Toronto FC games. And one of the things that we always harped about in the last season about Toronto FC is that they never pressed as a unit. They were always going in drips and drabs. It was, you know, the forward would press, but the midfielders wouldn't quite press at the right times or not step at the right times. That was there was none of that in that net in this in this game and with this team. Everybody pressed together at the same time. And that's why, for the most part, you nullify a Kevin De Bruyne. You know, you nullify a Yuri Tillemans. You know, of course, in the end, yes, Batuai gets the goal. And there is things to clean up from this performance especially defensively when you think about strikers that can run channels either either on Alistair Johnson or on Kamar, uh, Kamal Miller, um, which in that case they ran the channel on Miller and, 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 and the goal came. But overall, you know, you, you have to be impressed with the fact that for the most part, Kendall won the midfield battle. And that's not something I think we were all thinking of when we were thinking, hey, there might be a chance for Canada to pull a result in this match. Obviously, one of the things we need to bemoan is is finishing. Um, chances were created. A lot of chances were created and we couldn't finish. And that's, that's something that, um, as, as I said in a, a tweet during the game or maybe around halftime, I think, it's just a separation of a really good team versus a world-class team. A world-class team takes their chances. Um, and a really good team gets a bunch of chances, maybe puts one away, but spurns a bunch. And that's kind of what happened today. But I, I, I don't want to focus too much on the negative because I think there's a lot more positive that comes out of this match. Now, again, as you have the time to digest it and and sort of get over the disappointment of the result, which I, I, I mean, look, the result is the result. It, it, it's, it's a, in a world cup, it's, it's a loss. 
it does put you in a position where you, if you're thinking about moving on to the next round, you feel like you really do need to get a result, if not a win against Croatia on Sunday. But the positive from that is that I'm looking at that Croatia game thinking three points are quite possible. It's going to be difficult. Absolutely, it's going to be difficult, but it's possible. Um, especially when looking at the way Croatia played against Morocco earlier this morning. Um, I'd love to take, get some thoughts from people in the room. Uh, feel free to grab the mic. Um, I don't think Sean's going to join uh, tonight. So uh, I don't know if you all want to hear me drone on for the next 20 minutes or so. Um, but uh, you can grab the mic uh, if you want to jump in and give us give me your thoughts on, you know, where were you today watching this game? What were your emotions throughout the day? And what did you just think of the result and the performance from the national team? Um, so if you want to do that, feel free to request the mic and I'll, I'll bring you on board. But if I can maybe take a second to talk a little bit about Kamal Miller, who I thought was, I mean, they gave man of the match to Kevin De Bruyne, which is, I mean, I don't think, he, I think even Kevin De Bruyne is kind of like, why am I getting this? But he officially from FIFA got the um, man of the match award. Uh, that's absolute horseshit. I mean, like in the end of the day, uh, you know, I think I, I think Kamal Miller is in for a shout. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, a goal aside, you know, I think I think the whole team fell asleep on that on that set piece and uh, or that restart, I should say, and, um, and and it cost them a goal. But I thought he was I thought he was tremendous otherwise. Uh, and, and there's a lot of players you can sort of pick out from this game that you could say had a fantastic game. I thought Stacky was fantastic. Um, you know, uh, Atiba was Atiba in a lot of ways. Um, you know, if there's is sort of a, a, a disappointment, it's a little bit of the the front the front players, the the forwards, just in terms of finishing. Um, chances and getting opportunities and, and not finishing. And that's a little disappointing, um, but definitely uh, there's a lot of uh, positive to go around. Uh, one of them for me was Kamal Miller. I thought he was fantastic. I'm going to bring Alex in because uh, he's requested the mic. Uh, so Alex, I've approved you. So uh, you're able to go ahead and unmute yourself, man, and uh, give us your thoughts and tell me what you Tell me what you thought of tonight's or to this afternoon. I keep saying tonight's this afternoon's match. Well, uh, first of all, I, I would like to wake up from this coma. I'm sh I just watched Canada in a World Cup. Uh, I don't think any of us <laughs> two years ago were in any position to think that this was a, a possibility. Or like if it, it was, it was kind of like, oh, yes, the players would, you know, like we're going to the World Cup and you'll be like, oh, get through qualifying first. Uh, so that was that was wonderful to see. Uh, I was concerned in the last few games leading up that Canada was preparing this high press because uh, in qualifying, yeah, I think you guys remember they they kind of defended and countered against like Mexico and and the U.S. and uh, this this brave new world, this brave new Canada uh, pressing pretty hard is. Is a new look, and uh, I was scared about it. But uh, after today, holy cow, uh, that was that was wonderful to see. Uh, I couldn't help notice on Twitter a lot of people bashing Davies for taking the the, the penalty kick. I mean, uh, if we all followed the story from the beginning, how could he not have taken the penalty kick? It, it, like you, 
if he scored, no one would have said anything about it. Uh, even though probably David would have been more appropriate. And I doubt Canada would make the same mistake twice. But uh, let me see here. Going back, if you think about how qualifications started, you know when they first got into the octagonal and we're all nervous about how Canada would perform in CONCACAF, if there was a chance they would make it to the World Cup. That nervy game in Toronto, I think it was against Panama, and they just pulled a, yeah. a tie. Uh, this felt like that sort of thing. Like they just got they just got introduced to the new level. There was a lot of nerves, a lot of can we play this way? Uh, are we in this level? And um, there were there were mistakes all around. Like you could imagine every player is going home and thinking about like maybe they they shouldn't have uh, hit the ball so hard or hit like some of the set pieces were kind of odd. I, I don't know, Je- Jeffrey. I, I'd, I'd imagine he would have some opinions on this. So some of the shots were kind of like. Uh, quickly taken or the accuracy was not typical of what we've seen during qualification, the later part of qualification when the confidence started coming in, but I can't see, um, I don't know if anyone else agrees with me. I can't see how Canada does not leave that game thinking they can make it to the next round. And, and even though that was better, that's a better result than I would expect. Like I didn't, I didn't peg them to make it to the round of 16 or anything like that. I I looked at that game and said, you know what, maybe they can. Who knows? They, they look like they showed up, that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up, Alex. I, a couple of things. Oh, I mean, let's dive into a little bit. The, the Davies penalty, obviously, it's a U4 moment. I was at uh, Darby House here in Toronto for Darby Magazine. They had a, a viewing party. And, I mean, I think the – let, let's face it, when the, the penalty was given, it was bedlam. It was absolute bedlam. Um, and then immediately the next thought is who's taking it. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people thought it would be Jonathan David. Um, and it upset stepped Fonzie. And, and of course there were some sort of shrugs of like, okay, well I get it. I mean, first of all, um, you, you gotta have big ones to step up and take a penalty and, and potentially, scored the first goal for Canada in the World Cup. So, I, I mean, for, from that, I, I can't fault him on, on that. I know there's some there's some discourse out there about was it was it, was it a little greedy from him to do that? Should he have passed to someone else? To be perfectly honest, I'm okay with him taking the penalty. I'm okay with him being the one who wants to grab the ball um, because you need guys like that in, in a team. Um, and, and look, he's going to make probably more of them than he misses eventually. But of course it's the big one. It's the first game back in a world cup. So of course the, the pressure's on. Um, but it was a bad penalty. They gave you, we can't, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't, uh, sort of mask that. It was not a good penalty, not well taken penalty. It was easy enough for Courtois to save, um, you know, in uh, look, well, I, I, probably Herdman gives the players on the pitch the opportunity to select who's going to end up taking the penalty. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, Alex. Well, I I, I follow sometimes uh the you know the American broadcast to the to see or like follow, I kind of watch the ESPN's take, both their international and their US take on on the game. They focused a lot on officiating, and one point that the um, one of the ESPN panels uh, brought up was 
how they really, really didn't like how long it took the official to let Davies go ahead take that shot because it was nearly a minute of yeah. him just standing over the ball. And they said, more time you spend waiting over the ball is more time where you second-guess yourself. And the pressure of the moment is, is intense. And they never seen that happen in any of the games, never mind uh, this one. Uh, you know, Canada's first appearance there. So there's there was a lot. Uh, there was an understandable amount of pressure. I, I kind of feel for him. Yeah, and it, it's funny we were mentioning that too uh, at the watch party. So that was definitely noticed. I think you know Belgium were were uh, they were employing the dark arts a little bit, guys. You know, intentionally stepping on the line, making the referee have to like come and ward them again. You know, other guys do it. He's got to make sure everybody's behind. Right, like these are the dark arts um, of football. I thought we left Concacaf. Well, (laughs) hey, it's another level, as you said, Alex. Right, like it's it's Concacaf's one thing. Now it's the dark arts of the World Cup, Um, and 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 it gets a lot more subtle at at this level, you know. And 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 that's uh, you know that's something that Canada will learn from for sure. Uh, but look, I, I think in the end of the day, probably going forward, it's Jonathan David taking penalties, or maybe even Stefan Estacchio um to take to take penalties uh but look uh, again it's one of those things where it's hard for me to harp on that although yes that of course that was a goal scoring opportunity when in a lot of ways Canada continued after that to press and get the ball one in really good spots and put themselves in positions to score again and and it's it would have been easy and probably we would have all expected it if Canada missed that penalty and then Belgium get their foot on the game and start taking over right and that never happened and that again is one of those things where you have to credit the the mentality of the team and the mentality that John Herdman has built into the squad uh, that they've been able to withstand that and then get back right back into the game um, and and go again. So that, again, that's one of those things where you just have to kind of, you know, take that as a positive going into the Croatia match. The um, Another, another note, um, uh, strategically, I, I thought, I thought that obviously that was well thought out. I'm actually curious. Um, I'm curious what you think. If going into Croatia, Canada should start doing the two up front, um, at least maybe start the game with two up front. Uh, I know everybody loves the wingers. I, you can just the there's so much selection there, but um, final product or getting a ball at feet with guys in the box matter a lot. the The place where you get the highest xG, even though this game was a demonstration of a lot of xG. It also matters getting shots on the net, not not spraying them around. And David was uh, doing a lot of solo work against three very quality defenders. So uh, I don't know. Uh, do you think uh, Canada's going to return to a two up front, or they're going to play uh, the counter? Sorry, I don't. I'm sorry if I accidentally muted myself. Uh, I was uh, I was um, wondering if anybody else had takes according to strategy. I, I haven't followed Croatia so much, considering how much um, how much power they have in the midfield. Uh, a lot of analysts are saying that Canada should continue this pressing tactic, but uh, the, I actually believe that Croatia is in better form than Belgium 
and I am curious if Canada should return to a different style of game. However, I can't fault them. I, 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 I'm been completely shocked this whole uh, this whole uh, first game of the World Cup. It's fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And sorry about that. I got disconnected from the uh, room for a sec. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, interesting line. I mean, I, I think you had to get Junior Hoyland into the into the squad, uh, and and that's the way to do it. And especially, it's hard to also bring him in and then have to drop Tejon, right? Um, so it's Sam Adekube that had to sort of sacrifice his position on on the squad, uh, or at least on the the starting eleven, because normally it would be Sam and Davies on the left. Um, but in, in this case, they they went with with uh, with Junior, and look, it, it 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 paid off, right? In a sense of in this game, it paid off. It did. I could see them going back to a more or at least what we got kind of got used to seeing in qualification where you do play the flat three, but you maybe have Tejon as a right wing back or Richie as a right wing back and Sam Adekube coming in as a left wing back and pushing Alfonso up further. Um, the, the, the one thing though, I will say, and I, I, I have an unpopular opinion for a lot of Canadian national team fans, but I do think Alfonso Davies is more effective when he's playing left wing back. There's a reason he plays that position for Bayern. Yes, I know they have Bayern have a ton of wingers in Coleman and or and and Gnabry and 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 things like that. But you know, in the end of the day, I think that Alfonso Davies has an opportunity to be a little bit more effective against higher quality teams when he's playing as a wingback because it just gives him a little bit more space to run into the ball to uh, to attack from deep to impact the game that way. I feel as a winger, though still effective and, and absolutely, or as a forward still effective, but a little bit easier to mark out of the game. And um, I think when Canada struggled a little bit in the second half, you know, switching wings with him and putting him on the right, I, I don't think that was the most effective way to use him because he did kind of cut in and, and play, I, I don't want to say hero ball, that's not what he really was doing, but, you know, there was a little bit of him hanging onto the ball a little bit, a moment too long at times. Um, I think he's better when he can just be on the left, get ahead of steam, get in on, in on an overlap, and really impact uh, the game with his pace that way. Um, yeah, not... I, I have to I have to agree with you on that one. I think Paul Anderson also agrees. I don't know his last name there, but Paul also agrees with his hundreds. Um, yeah, it, it, Davies is, uh, is effective at his speed. Like he he can just run around people, and having the the launder the the launder circuit around the pitch gives a lot of advantage uh, when he plays out there. I've 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 understood that the reason why Herdman brings him toward the center. It's because we have a lot of players on the wings that can play, can do the same yeah, thing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so you can, yeah. if you have Tejon on, right, and 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 you either switch sides or you decide to, you know, you have Richie on the pitch at the same time. You know, you can have players sort of mix and match and change positions and and try to confuse defenders that way. The problem is sometimes you kind of confuse yourself and don't make your offensive fluidity kind of goes up a bit 
out of the window. Um, and I felt that that was happening a little bit as they switched Alfonso to the right and he was cutting into the center a bit more. You're taking, he's taking up space that Estacchio might take, or, you know, uh, I know eventually Atiba comes out and Ishmael Kone comes in, but that could be space a Kone would take. But if, if Alfonso is yeah. cutting into that space, then things get a little bit disjointed um, in terms of your attack. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I get why national team fans want to see Alfonso as a forward. We all, I think, see his gift potentially as a forward. But again, I will kind of hark back to the fact that I actually think from a tactical perspective on teams of this level, he might actually be better as a left wing back. And that's why you end up playing Junior Hoylet in the position that he played today. Uh, that means, yes, a, a Sam Adekube or Richie Larea, depending on how you want to structure it, may have to miss out um, in the 11. But that, but I mean, as a substitute, having Richie Larea as a substitute is a really great option to have off the bench. Like that's a, that's a luxury um, for you. Uh, and what a time and what an era that we live in that we have these amazing players that are, are are luxuries that come off the bench for you where you could literally say, yeah, I could start a Richie Larea and have Tejan Buchanan come off the bench for you and give you something off the bench. And that's, that's a luxury. Not a lot of teams have. The, um, I, I was actually very, very impressed with Larea uh, from the start. I was, and, um, it, it's one of those things like, well, uh, that luxury is, it, there's 16 guys I can start without a question. Like if Ozo started, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised. Uh, Larea starting was great in this game, even though he wasn't recently. Uh, there's an interesting Larea story, like side side story. I I couldn't help notice before the World Cup that Nottingham uh, Forest, their website, their media team, they were they were congratulating all the players going to you know from their team that were in the World Cup, and they had a story of like six guys from their team who were playing in the World Cup, but there was no mention of Larea. And uh, today, the Nottingham Forest uh, media was uh, was uh, you know congratulating Larea's great performance out there, and I'm, I'm just wondering if they started to notice that they actually have a <laughs> have a guy have a right have that, a right back that might actually be able to play. Um, yeah, 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 it's, it is interesting. Um, you know, if you listen to Toronto till I die, um, you know, Michael Singh has his theories that, uh, that, uh, Richie Larea is going to be returning to Toronto FC full time. But, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, beyond that, I, I, look, I, I think that for the system that, Canada plays Richie's a really great fit for that and 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 he look he won uh, to me he won a penalty it wasn't called they were you know they VAR missed it in my opinion but um you know that's what he's really great at and that's what he can bring to the team and and be direct in that way um and attack uh and attack fullbacks um or attack if it's a it's a back three and gets in behind then he's attacking that that third center back um, and you, and that's sort of the advantage of the way John Herbin's setting up his system right now. Croatia will be an interesting challenge because I think you're right in a sense that they will be a little bit more, I would say, defensively solid in terms of the way that they're going to set up and the way that they will be able to deal with some of Canada's threats. 
obviously a lot of people are going to point to pace as an, an opportunity to get in behind them. I think it might be a little bit more of a challenge than it was against Belgium. Cause I, I, I to be perfectly honest, I think Belgium were all over the place. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and I, and I think that, you know, it, that doesn't mean that Canada still can't sort of press the way that they press today and, and win the ball. Um, and I, and I think that that is an, that is a potential, uh, on Sunday, uh, that said, um, it'll be interesting because with Modric and with Kovacic, um, you know, those are two players that don't give the ball away a lot uh, traditionally. Um, so I wonder, I wonder what that's going to look like in terms, of, in terms of if they decide to maybe press the press one or press both, um, and try to see if they can maybe force them to turn the ball over or to play the ball a little bit earlier than they might like to. Um, and win the ball that way. That that's a potential um, thing to look out for on on Sunday. Uh, Alex, can I ask you just you know yep. beyond this tactics, like you know where did you watch the game today? What were your sort of overriding emotions as kickoff was coming up? Like how did you how did you feel going into let's just say you know a half an hour before kickoff? Like how were you feeling at that point? Half an hour. Oh my goodness! It was like the last three days. Uh, the uh, the the anticipation was kind of great. I, I I blocked off everything to watch it at home to make sure no one would bother me. Can you know <laughs> blocked off work? Yeah. Uh, it was one of those like um, a lot of build up, and I wanted to see it. I like to watch the games privately because I like to watch uh, the the tactics. Either that, or I like to go all out into the uh, supporter section. So it's it's one or two for me. I'm I'm two extremes. And uh, it was almost is it, it was surreal to be watching the game. Mm-hmm. I was following all every possible interview. I've been watching what you've been posting on watching waking the red, what they have been writing. I've been following everybody, watching every little story. And uh, it's it's been a it's fantastic to be a fan, a big fan, as someone who's been following the team since the the pre qualifier over two years ago. Mm-hmm. So like, you know how they have to qualify to qualify yeah. to qualify, yeah, to qualify, to qualify following qualify, that yeah, whole yeah. process. Yeah. If if you don't if you don't, it, it's, it could take you back just a little bit. There, if it wasn't for the pandemic or something, some dark art that was happening, it was supposed to be only a, a, a hexagon for the uh, well. They were, for qualifications, yeah, they changed it to eight. They will change it to yeah, eight because sorry? originally it was going to be based on where you were as a qual uh, in terms of your Concacaf ranking, and Canada and, fell and outside we, of that Concacaf ranking. They were not in the top six, so they were not going to make it. Yeah, the the win against the U.S. If they had win won the following one after that, yeah, they would have barely. They could have possibly squeaked in. They were trying to find they games lost everywhere. The following too. game in in Orlando. And then, then everything started shutting down, and they changed the format, which gave Canada a super long route, but a, pos- uh, a possibility to enter. So, following since then, I've been I've been intrigued, and uh, and just every step of the way here has been uh, uh, an experience. And I was getting nervous at every step, but this one today was just I I couldn't uh, barely sleep, waking up. I couldn't like it didn't feel real. They were facing Belgium. Uh, these are all. Like every every player on that team is incredible. Uh, it, it, even the replacement for Lukaku is better than I've like uh, Ken has ever faced. Just like that kind of level, 
So it's usually one or two littered on different teams, but uh, Belgium is stacked. And uh, uh, going up to it, I, I, I was watching all those interviews. My favorite was the Johnson interview. Okay. Uh, that guy's gonna he's gonna go and go into media pretty soon. The uh, where he's talking about how he watched um, uh, who was it Hazard uh, growing up, yeah. and uh, how he and he mentioned all his teams. And then during the game, I was just like, "Oh shit!" You know, Johnson's gonna get toasted by Hazard, and it was the other way around. I think he had a, I had, I think he had his um, his player card in his pocket the whole game. Yeah, well, I, I, funny enough, I actually would say that um, this might have been maybe Alistair's not his best game in, in his shirt. I thought Aiden Hazard just uses experience on him a couple of times um, to get around him, but no, I, I look, I, I think you the way that you're describing your emotions and going into that game is how a lot of people were thinking and feeling going into that game. Like, like, look, I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that, you know, I, I, I avoided making a complete fool of myself and not bawling and crying at the national anthem single tier. I kind of did a Kamal Miller single, single tier uh, during the anthem. Uh, But I think just the whole day, you and I was lucky I got to connect with people in sort of this Canadian soccer community in Ontario here, especially in Toronto and southwestern Ontario. Um, and you you just saw people who have put a lot of time and effort in various different ways to make this day happen. Right. Whether they're directly in the game themselves and were players, um, which I got to meet a few today, which was cool. Um, or if you are a supporter and you've been either a Voyager member or you have just been a supporter of the national team and you've sort of rode the the wave and, and really the sort of down parts of a wave for a very long time before you really got a, a title swell. Um it, today was just joy in a lot of ways. And then to, for them to come out and play like that um, and, and improve that. They, uh, again, I, I was speaking to somebody today and, you know, we, we kind of pointed out three direct things that are sort of what will make this World Cup successful for Canada or for you for the in terms of, you know, what do you define as success for Canada in this World Cup? And three things that came up were obviously score a goal, get a result. Um, and show the world that you belong at this level. And to me, that box ticked, right? You you go in, you play a team that most people think are going to blow your doors off, and you, I won't say played them off the park. That's not exactly true. But, I mean, you you had them worried, you know, to the point where, Kevin De Bruyne and Mitchie Batchway after the game are like, yeah, we were lucky to get out of here with three points, right? Um, and and you know you it, I, and I imagine you know Belgian newspapers tomorrow are going to roast Martinez, right? They're going to roast um, Robert Martinez tomorrow um, over the performance, right? Yes, you get the three points, good you know, top of the table in the group and, and you put yourself in the driver's position to qualify. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of concern in Belgium about that team. Um, there already was going into the game. And and now you 
you get what was supposed to be your easiest game in theory um, turned out to be one hell of a fight. So, you know, I, I don't want to drag the show on much longer. Um, you know, I just wanted to come on and, and sort of just just get it all out in terms of what we just saw today. Um, because I think there is a lot to be proud of. There's still two more games to go. You know, it, there's still a lot of points on the table uh, for this team to get. And, and there's definitely a belief now that this club, this team, sorry, should, could um, get out of the group. You know, Sunday against Croatia is critical. I don't think that's news to anybody. But a result there looks realistic. It, it doesn't look so out of the question. It's going to be difficult for sure. Um, but you just we we gotta find we gotta find a way to finish. <laughs> um, we find a way to finish. Uh, we give ourselves a shot at getting three points, and then it's all to play for against Morocco, who are going to, if anyway, Morocco might end up being one of the hardest games, just simply because you know when we play them, it is going to be a Morocco home game. There are a lot of Canadians down in Qatar for sure, but. Um, you know, it could end up feeling like a Moroccan home game. Uh, and that and that is going to be one heck of an atmosphere um, for the final group stage game. Um, Alex, I'll, I'll kind of give you the final word here before I uh, shut down the room. Well, well, it's, uh, you mentioned a valuable point. One of the key things for Canada is to show up the previous, uh, 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 previous journey by having a goal. Now it looks very possible that they could score a goal. Now the question is, Will they do that against Croatia? If they do that against Croatia, then they should not dwell, you know, celebrate too much and focus on getting more than a um, more than a, a draw. If they can run for a win, uh, because if they take over Croatia, if I'd rather, you know, a goal would be great enough. But if they can take over Croatia, then uh, Canada is going to be on another level. It's going to be bedlam. It would be <laughs> we would. Because then the question becomes clearly: Do we are we going to have a do we have a chance to do to the round of sixteen? And uh, uh, before today, I would never have thought that was a possibility. After today, even though it was a loss, I was would have been happy with a draw. But even though it was a loss, after today, a result against Croatia and a positive against, result against Croatia means that um, we're going to have one hell of a World Cup. Uh, so. Uh, thank you for for doing this, and thanks for all the news you guys keep on doing. Now, there's quite a few big names in this uh, in this channel, uh, and I follow all most of you on Twitter. So, uh, you guys keep posting. I love it, and uh, let's see what happens. Uh, cheers, Alex. Thanks so much. Uh, cheers. Thanks so much for jumping on. I appreciate. It. I'm just gonna uh, remove you as a speaker here, but I'm gonna put you back in the audience um, and, and sort of wrap up the show here. But yeah, look, I, I think at the end of the day. It's a it's it's a game where you you feel a little bit disappointed because three points were there and it was in our hands and it just that's football, right? I I I, uh, I got a very nice message um, uh, from a a podcaster in uh, in Sweden uh, who who saw one of my tweets and was just like, listen, man, <laughs> you know, the Sweden's been to a couple of world cups and he's just like, that's how it is, man. Sometimes that's just how it goes. You can play amazing, be the better team and they just get one. And that's, and that's how it goes. So uh, that's something we're going to 
have to get used to. Frankly, I hope we do get used to it because that means we're going to more World Cups and we're starting to play a bigger teams and bigger stages and really showing that, you know, Canada belongs uh, on the world stage. Um, so I'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Tunnel Club. Uh, a little impromptu post-game reaction show slash just checking, vibe check uh, for all uh, the the Canadian men's national team fans out there. Sunday, uh, there is, of course, the big match against Croatia, 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, uh, you know, whether you're watching at home, um, you know, some, some people, if you're interested, there's a... Uh, just shouting out uh, Darby Magazine. They're doing uh, a showing in Toronto um, uh, down on Queen West. If you're listening out on the West Coast, they're also doing one in Vancouver as well. Um, check your Voyagers uh, sites for uh, local uh, Voyagers viewing parties around if that's your thing. Um, uh, if not, and you're watching it at home, um, obviously enjoy uh, the game at home. Uh, we'll Hopefully we'll be back Sunday. Um, hopefully Sean will be able to join uh, with another Tunnel Club post-game show um, after the Croatia match. But uh, my name is Mike Newell. Thanks for listening to the Tunnel Club, and we will chat to you soon. Take care, guys.